Hi, and welcome to Top in Tech. This is Global Council's podcast on global tech policy and regulation. This week, we will discuss the fourth Trade and Technology Council Summit between the European Union and the US. This took place last week in Sweden, and there are a number of announcements across the tech policy space. To take us through this today is Agomba Wankwo, Senior Associate in GC's DC office, and she's going to share her observations from having tracked not only this latest summit, but also the previous dynamics over the past year between the EU and the US. So welcome, Agomba. Thank you for joining me today. I just want to make the initial observation that when we look at previous TTC summits, they've always been in the shadow of something else, either a big international event or a big domestic policy controversy. So if we think about the first one, that took place shortly after the dispute between France primarily and the US, UK and others around the AUKUS Defence Pact. The second took place mere months after Russia had invaded Ukraine. And the third took place amidst high-profile public divisions over the United States bringing in the Inflation Reduction Act, which the European Union felt unfairly disadvantaged its own companies. We can leave to one side whether that's a fair charge or not. But what seems clear, to me at least, and I'd like to get your views on this, is the fourth seems to have taken place against a much calmer background. Yes, there's still those same disputes around and and discussions around the Inflation Reduction Act, but there doesn't seem to have been anything new and controversial to frame the discussion. So can you just give me your views on that, but also give a bit of a headline analysis on the outcomes of the fourth summit? Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Conan. There wasn't a major event that really overshadowed this particular summit. What we saw was the EU and the US agreed to continue working and coordinating their approaches and addressing a range of trade and technology issues. So on the tech side of things, AI was front and center. There is clearly a lot of interest in this issue. And so as part of this, they showcased their first results in the implementation of the joint AI roadmap and decided to add a focus on generative AI, which probably isn't a surprise. Now on 6G, What they did was set out guiding principles and laid out next steps to develop this technology, as well as facilitate the development of global 6G standards. The EU and U.S. are also continuing their efforts to accelerate the rollout of secure and resilient connectivity projects in emerging markets. And as part of this, they actually announced new digital connectivity projects in Costa Rica and the Philippines. Now, on the trade side of things, they introduced a work program for the Transatlantic Initiative on Sustainable Trade, which aims to accelerate the transition to a climate-neutral and circular economy. But beyond sustainable trade initiatives, a few more targeted trade facilitation measures were also reached, such as updating mutual recognition agreements, as well as establishing joint recommendations to address forced labor in supply chains. But noticeably missing was substantial progress around critical raw materials. And so although both sides reaffirmed their intent to strike a deal to expand EU access to specific U.S. electric vehicle tax credits, it's evident that they're still struggling to reach an agreement that answers some of these important legal questions. And you touched upon this in your opening a bit, but this is all framed within the context of the Inflation Reduction Act, which has been a bit 
controversial and how the EU has received it. But taking a step back and looking at all of this from a geopolitical lens, you can't really escape the fact that the topic of China is very much in the room and is motivating a lot of the actions and decisions made by officials at the summit. So it sounds like more of the same, that while there's a big distinction in this summit that it didn't take place against the backdrop of a big controversy, the actual outcomes were consistent with some of the previous summits. So there wasn't a big bang deal on the Inflation Reduction Act and critical raw materials, which is obviously important for the green sectors here, electric vehicles, and so on and so forth. But there was a flurry of smaller announcements. So it wasn't insubstantial. There was certainly progress in a number of areas. And perhaps some of those will jump into most noticeably what you discussed there on telecoms and AI. The one thing I did want to touch on, though, was your final comment before we go into the details of the policy announcements. And that was around China. It's obviously been a longstanding ambition of the US to harden EU policy towards China. And the TTC is quite clearly one mechanism that the US administration is trying to use to achieve that aim. So how do you assess their success in doing so after this summit? Yes. So a lot of the agreements and conclusions that were made at the TTC really reaffirmed the EU's recent shift towards a more hawkish position on China. And this is a stance that has really been championed by Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, who has pushed for de-risking. And although China was only named twice in the final joint statement, the U.S. administration was quite successful in ensuring that China was a reference in some key areas, such as economic coercion and foreign information manipulation and interference in third countries, which is quite a mouthful, but it's essentially having to do with misinformation and disinformation. But despite the shifts from the EU, they largely fell short of the U.S.'s more assertive stance on China. And I think that in many ways, this is in part because Europe is not a monolith and there are different member states with different interests. But taking a step back, I do see a push and pull dynamic operating in how the U.S. and the EU approach the topic of China. So on the one hand, the U.S. is pulling the EU to be more hawkish on China. And on the other hand, the EU is influencing sort of the rhetoric that the U.S. uses when discussing China. So, for example, we've seen the Biden administration increasingly use the term de-risking rather than decoupling when talking about China. So I think if you look at it from the perspective of the Biden administration, I think that's a, that's a success, isn't it? getting China specifically referenced in the summit's conclusions. And there's some pretty strong implicit references where China isn't necessarily name-checked, but quite clearly the thrust of the policy agreements between the two blocs are aimed at competition with China. And as you say, Europe's not a monolith, but there is a slow shift taking place within the European Union, particularly in the European Commission under President von der Leyen, towards a more hawkish position on China. Now, it's unrealistic, I would argue, for the US administration to expect that the EU is going to end up in the same place as the US, at least in the coming short to medium term. But that is clearly a sign of progress and an output of US pressure on the European Union over the past few years. So let's jump into the detail, Goma. You 
the big thing that everyone is talking about at the moment, front pages about potential international summits at the end of the year about AI governance and a potentially an international regulator for super intelligent AI. So how does this play into what was agreed at the TTC? What what was agreed on AI governance and how meaningful would you assess that it was? Yeah, so let's let's take a slight step back. AI has been a topic that has been discussed at TTC meetings really since the beginning. And at the third TTC meeting, we saw the two sides establish a joint roadmap on AI. And the goal of this roadmap is to advance shared terminologies and taxonomies and to inform how both sides approach AI risk management. So what we've seen as a result of this roadmap is the respective working groups meeting to establish metrics and measurements to assess AI technologies that work well for both parties. So the AI work to date has been largely very technical. Now, what we've seen in recent months is the rapid rise of generative AI and platforms such as ChatGPT and governments around the world are trying to now figure out what they should do about this. So at the TTC meeting, what we saw was them decide to place a particular emphasis on generative AI. So not only are they now expanding shared AI terms, continuing their progress towards advancing AI standards and tools for risk management, but they're also developing a catalog of existing and emergent risks that will prioritize developing an understanding of the challenges posed by generative AI. And on the last day of the summit, the idea of a voluntary code of conduct was introduced. Apparently, the code is currently a two-page briefing note produced by the European Commission, and the goal is to come up with non-binding standards around things like transparency, risk audits, and other technical details for companies developing the technology. And the hope is that a final version of this voluntary code will will be presented at the G7 meeting that will be taking place this fall. Now, there's a lingering question of whether U.S. officials will agree to the contents in the draft code and whether the two jurisdictions can align. But even more broadly than this voluntary code, practical questions remain about how the joint AI roadmap aligns with the EU's AI Act, which is expected to be agreed on by the EU institutions ahead of the European elections next year. And a particular sticking point will be how the EU's AI Act ultimately regulates generative AI and the extent to which it can be aligned with joint U.S. and EU efforts to create global standards. And of course, the TTC will be used as a key vehicle in in driving this. I think the difficulty that there is going to be for both the U.S. administration and the European Commission is that in many senses, the AI Act is now out of the hands of the European Commission. So yes, when we will see inter-institutional so-called trilogue negotiations begin, I think it's on the 14th of June, the Commission will be in the room. They'll no doubt have very senior representation at that first meeting. But ultimately, it needs to be the Council, so representing EU member states, and the European Parliament, which is made up of members of the European Parliament, they will need to agree a common text. And the European Parliament has put some fairly ambitious elements into their text around generative AI. And there is a strong likelihood that EU member states will agree to something in there. Maybe not quite as far as what MEPs have argued for, but they'll look to put something in. Now, the Commission might try to influence that in order to make sure it aligns with what they're discussing with the US. 
but it isn't entirely in their gift to deliver that. So let's move on, Agomma. So you mentioned earlier telecoms, and there was a handful of agreements talking about 6G, which uh, given we're in very early stages of 5G deployment, is certainly future orientated, as people might frame the policy discussions. But at the center of all of this, uh, you mentioned as well, some of the agreements and some of the focus on markets like the Philippines, I think you said, is that China is a big issue here. We've seen Huawei and ZTE, the big Chinese telecoms infrastructure providers, being either explicitly or de facto excluded from the US, uh, but also from a number of European markets. So taken together, the announcements that you mentioned earlier, do you think we're any closer to a sort of Western consensus on how to compete with Chinese operators globally on both the immediate issue, which is 5G infrastructure, but also the future issue, which is 6G? Yes, I think if we're comparing to AI, we are a bit closer to a Western consensus here. So at this TTC meeting, both sides agreed on a common approach to 6G development and what we saw specifically was the development of a 6G outlook, which lays out guiding principles and key themes for a common vision and also lays out next steps. And using this common approach and vision that was established, the goal is to strengthen existing research and development cooperation on 6G, as well as cooperation in technology trials to drive market adoption. But the goal is also to create a critical mass among like-minded partners and global standardization bodies. And so what we'll see next is the EU participate in a high-level international 6G meeting that will be organized by the US later this year, which aims to further align approaches to 6G. And the hope is to ultimately create a 6, 6G industry roadmap by the end of the year. Now, in, in addition to 6G, the US and EU are also actively promoting the development of secure and trustworthy connectivity in emerging markets as demonstrated by their commitment to support new connectivity projects in Costa Rica as well as the Philippines. And that includes projects such as helping with 5G rollout, bridging digital divides and strengthening uh, telecommunication security. And this really builds on the digital connectivity projects in Kenya and Jamaica that were announced at the last TTC meeting. And as you, as you mentioned um, in the introduction to this question, China was not explicitly mentioned um, in this section of the joint statement, but these efforts really represent an attempt to challenge China's expanding influence in global standard-setting bodies. And it's also an attempt to challenge their increasing investments in digital infrastructure and emerging economies. And I've actually had the opportunity to speak with stakeholders on the ground, particularly in African countries, about the growing influence of China in the region, particularly as it relates relates to telecoms. And often the discussion centers around the lack of Western alternatives to China's digital infrastructure investments. And it seems that the US and EU are making an attempt to really fill this gap. I guess the question that follows Agomo would be whether, this is not an answerable question today, but it's whether the investment and the scale in which this is happening is sufficient. So what we had two countries identified in the third TT summit, TTC summit that the EU and the US would work with, got a couple more this time, but that's a long way to go before you're really challenging 
the global scale that a company like Huawei clearly has. So let's move on to a, a long forgotten topic in transatlantic relationships, and this is online safety. We've had years where there hasn't been any prospect of consensus between the EU and the US. The EU, of course, is in the process of implementing its Digital Services Act, and the US, no prospect really, certainly at federal level, for there being any online content rules. And where they do have them at a state level, we are seeing rules there that are being pushed that are almost in contradiction with what the EU has been pushing. But there was there was language in the TTC statement around this issue. So can you just talk us through what that was? And then what is the significance of it? Yes. So the EU and the US agreed to a list of high-level principles for online platforms that has to do with the protection and empowerment of minors, as well as data access for researchers. So in the former, essentially platforms you know, the goal is for platforms to exercise greater responsibility in ensuring that their services foster an online environment that protects the well-being of minors. And so there's clearly recognition on both sides that they need to do a better job of protecting children and what they see online. And you mentioned this in the beginning, but here in the U.S., this is a topic that Biden talked about in his State of the Union address, but also In Congress, there are a few bills, such as the Kids Online Safety Act, that are currently circulating, and you're also seeing a lot of activity at the state level. Um, Now, this is linked to the data access for researchers point, because there is a common view that this will help in understanding the systemic risk on online platforms and in better understanding the online ecosystem more broadly. So as part of this, the expectation according to the high-level principles is that online platforms will share meaningful data and testing opportunities for the purpose of independent research for vetted researchers. Uh, And I think that this is quite timely because next year we have the U.S., the European, and U.K. elections, and yet we still don't know much about these platforms that will be pivotal to these elections. And yet... At the same time, we're seeing platforms such as Twitter scaling back free access, uh, free data access for researchers. So this is sort of an effort by the TTC to begin to address this challenge, though I think it's fairly interesting that the EU's Digital Services Act already requires that platforms grant access for researchers to key data to understand how online risks evolve. So there's now a lingering question of what will Washington do to ensure that the U.S. actually aligns with these principles, you know, could we see President Biden issue an executive order that would require something similar from platforms? Or could we see the White House issue a set of domestic uh, principles that are are non-binding? Certainly sounds like an issue to keep an eye on. Certainly, if we get the sense that an executive order could be in the works, certainly some non-binding principles issued by the administration, while obviously a notable development would be likely to have uh, less impact, so to speak, than what uh, a legally uh, binding, however short-term mechanism an EO might be. So we'll see how that develops. So Agoma, we need to conclude. I thought where we could conclude is what I said earlier, which is that I described the fourth summit as more of the same. So it'd be interesting to get your sense of just to whether you want to challenge me on that assumption, but also just to give that overarching analysis, has the summit 
strengthened the Trade and Tech Council moving forwards? Has it answered that pressure from industry that it needs to deliver? Now is the time to deliver agreements that can make a material difference. What do you reckon? So there were a handful of technical agreements made at this fourth TTC meeting that I think points to the growing maturity of the TTC process more broadly. But as we've seen with some of the previous summits, it really did not deliver with any sort of headline-grabbing policy announcement. And it seems like that is what is needed at this point in the TTC's evolution. The absence of major progress, especially in areas like critical raw materials, is really unlikely to satisfy industry stakeholders who are becoming increasingly impatient with the current pace of progress with the TTC. Now, with this said, there are questions circulating about the durability of the TTC, particularly looking ahead to the 2024 U.S. presidential elections, where we could very well have a president who takes measures that might end up straining rather than enhancing transatlantic relations. So our assumption is that the TTC will motor on at least until the 2024 elections. If we see a change of U.S. administration at that point, then the future of that body could very well be in doubt. But for those listening and thinking about how to plan out their activities in a policy engagement sense over the rest of the year, clearly baking in a fifth TTC summit towards the end of the year and a sixth one in the first half of next year is something that should certainly be on your calendar of policy events and moments coming up. So Agoma, look, thank you very much for that. You've taken us on a whole wide range of activities with a global, national and local perspective. So really great to have you on the line today. And for those uh, who've joined, as always, if you, your business or your investment are exposed to this development, to the TTC and to AI policy, to 5G, 6G, don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find Agoma's contact details and indeed the details of the rest of the tech media and telecoms team and other colleagues at Global Council at www.global-council.com or via the link in the podcast notes. Thank you very much and look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye.